Don't look back in anger. Blog 3. I'd taken the weekend to let the news about the operation sink in and the fact that I'd have to be silent for two weeks. As you can see from the cap locks, I'm still not over that one. And I began to panic about when would be the best time to have the surgery and should I keep it quiet. I teach for a performing arts school and I also work with a theatre on an outreach programme. I was heavily involved in projects that I wanted to see through because I actually love the work I do, but also financially, I needed to see the work through. Of course, I had everyone's support, but me being me, I needed to talk the thing to death before I decided. I was now at war with my right vocal fold and my army rank was chief strategist. My calendar now resembled a battleship's board and I was winning. I'd sunk the little ships in very few moves, but there were one or two more that were trickier to handle. I spent three days agonising over what to do, when to have it done, and then the phone rang. Total car crash. I was in the car on the way to work. A voicemail pinged on the phone. I played it back. I'm not going to lie, I couldn't understand what the voice on the other end of the phone was saying. So, in order to hear it better, I pulled the car over and played the message again. You see, if I'm parked, I can scrunch up my face and lean my ear into a better listening position. The same way that if I turn the radio off when I'm trying to reverse or parallel park into a tight spot, I can do it better. But everyone does that, right? Anyway, after playing the message a few times, I called the number back. It was actually the speech and language therapist. Hi Emer, I've received a referral letter from Mr Lacey, she said. Yeah, well, that's great, I replied. Then there was silence. Not like the silence there will be for two weeks in December, mind. Still not quite over it. But I was waiting for the, okay, let's book you in. I mean, she was holding the letter that I presumed explained what his diagnosis was and that he required her to consult with me before he could proceed with an operation. So, Emer, tell me why your consultant is referring you to me. My inside voice was shouting, uh, you have the letter, I'm pretty sure it's all there. I can't book the operation date until I see you. Can we book an appointment? My mind briefly moved to thinking, what did the letter say? Dear Moira, not her real name, it's Mr. Consultant here. Come here to me. If you have a minute, would you have a look at this one for me? Don't have the time to explain it, but she needs to see you. Cheers, Mr. Consultant. Still unsure of the contents of that letter, and given that I'm a lover of talking, I explained the whole hour consultation to her in a few minutes. She listened and made noises that indicated that it was her first time hearing this information. Grant, she may have been trying to make me feel like she's a good listener, build a rapport, but really, I'd have been happier if we made the appointment and I could have gotten back to work. Right, so you need an appointment to see me. Bingo. Thanks, Moira. Now you're talking my language. She had a cancellation two days later. I wanted it, and she wanted me to reply to a mail to say that I'd be available to attend. Moira, I need this appointment. I will 100% be there on Thursday at 2.30pm. I'll clear my schedule. I was using my stern voice. Great, Emer. I'll send you a mail right now and you can let me know if you're available. Oh, Moira, I'll be there. Still in my stern tone. Okay, Emer. Well, I'll send you a mail and you can let me know by text or email if you'll be there. I'll save you guys the back and forward because there was a lot of repetition in that exchange. Then, when we were about to hang up the phone... I was hit by a bolt that I was not expecting. Thinking that the technique that had thankfully pointed me to the ENT consultant in the first place might just help us have a common terminology, I said, just before you go, I was wondering, have you heard of the Estill model? I'm not going to lie. I was sorry I'd asked. 
In my head, the conversation could have gone one of either two ways. A, that she would know it and that we could discuss my problem with me using less terms like, it feels like my throat is sticky. Or B, she'd say no and we'd leave it at that. As it turns out, she hadn't heard of it. In fact, I think she thought that I'd said, sorry, but do you actually know what you're doing? The conversation became fraught and I tried to explain that if she did know of it, I could explain the exercises I'd been doing and we could use common terminology, but my efforts to explain were in vain. I get it. I probably sounded like little miss know-it-all and she was trying to exert her authority. We've all been backed into that corner professionally and I'm sure that even though I felt like I was helping, I may have sounded like a pain in the ass. But being told, well, we don't really know what we're dealing with here and your consultant wants you to see me so that I can assess your voice and we can see what's wrong, sent a sharp pang of fear and uncertainty into my mind. I quickly responded, thinking maybe he didn't put much information in that letter. Oh no, he's sure it's nothing sinister. He thinks it's a cyst and... I was stopped in my tracks. He will not know 100% what he is dealing with until he operates Emer. I can tell you all that he sees when he looks in that scope is fleshy and clear colours. So it could be anything. And with that last sentence, my mind went into overdrive. I hung up the phone, dejected and terrified. All of the wonderful work my consultant had done to allay my fears. Telling me it's not sinister, that it's not cancer, that he's 90% sure it's a simple cyst and he can remove it and that he's very conservative in his approach. All gone. I cried as I drove away and continued on my way to work. Phone a friend. Before I continue, I should mention that I have a hands-free kit in the car. I called my mother. At this stage, I was fuming that the therapist had sent me in a spin. I was now doubting what the consultant had said kind sniper one who listened and calmed me down when my inside voice was screaming in blind panic. I was angry at Moira for rocking my world before hanging up the phone, for dismissing what the consultant had said on Friday. My mother calmed me down. She was the one who thought maybe that I had surprised the therapist with the question and although she didn't respond well I should give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I just caught her off guard. Grant. But I couldn't let it go. I think it was this point when the whole gravity of the situation hit me like a ton of bricks. I called Nicola. She let me rage with anger and said some of the things that my mum did. She also said that she knew I was scared and that it was okay and reminded me that the consultant sounded like he knew what he was doing and he was going to be conservative. She, like my mother, also said, the speech and language therapist is not the one doing the operation. And they were right tantrums and teacups. I was in work early, had a cuppa and I tried to avoid talking about my voice. I knew I could blow again at any moment. So I sat and googled who the lady was that I'd just spoken to on the phone. Still hadn't received the mail that she was to send so after I read every piece of information I could find on her, I mailed her. It took her over a day to reply. I wondered if she was having second thoughts taking me on as a patient. After all, I was having second thoughts on having her as my therapist. Nicola came in, we're colleagues. She asked how I was and mentioned Moira, and the dam that had been holding my tears at bay was starting to crack. I did mention in my first blog that there were two friends I worked with who helped me process the information the day of the consultant visit. Well, they were once again sitting at the table with me and I was a mess. Both Nicola and Elizabeth went into what can we do to help mode. They offered to come with me to the therapist to help me find another one. They began to talk about the practicalities of it all. 
Bottom line was, I needed to see Moira to get a date for the operation. It needed to be soon, and if I did go and was not happy, I could always go to see someone else. They were, of course, right. They said that I should probably not go to the appointment on my own, and they both offered to come with me. In the end, Nicola, aka the voice doctor, would come with me, given that she would probably understand things better than me, and Elizabeth would help and facilitate things in work so that Nicola was free to do that. I finished my tea, dried my eyes, and went to class. Saved the date. The next day, I called the consultant secretary, as I had been instructed to let them know when I had a date to see the speech and language therapist. As soon as that was in place, they would book the operation date. By then, I had learned two things. One, I was not as okay with all of this as I thought I was. I was, in fact, a glass case of emotion. And two, the operation was booked for the 7th of December. Terms and conditions apply. I'll be silenced for two weeks. So I need to get all my talking out now. Visit www.silenceoftheshadowbox.com for more information.